0: As we close season seven with episode 10, I'm rhyming the good story podcast again. I hadn't made plans to do that this soon, but I sat down to write this past afternoon and the words came so quickly and flowed super fast. Before long, I noticed they all had amassed in meter and rhyme all bunched in my head. So I shelved idea one and wrote this one instead. And so my dear listeners, you all have the choice to hit the stop now or go on with my voice. I know listening to poetry isn't everyone's jam, especially sing-song, but I am who I am. So friends, if you sign off, no hard feelings at all. We'll catch up next season when we start in the fall. Before I get into the stories in verse, I want to shout out just a few of you first. A big thanks to David, my producer. You're great. And hello to my listeners in Washington State. Hello, California. Ohio. Illinois. Iowa, Minnesota, you bring me great joy when you share how the Lord has been speaking to you as you live out your lives and have good stories, too. And hello to the listener who was just recently revealing that you tuned into Good Story while you rest in our healing. Hello, listeners in Texas, New York, and in Delaware. I'm missing some states of that I am well aware. I never could list you each out here by name, but I want you to know I appreciate you the same. Hello to Mongolia and Sweden as well. I hear we have listeners there too, which is swell. Now drive safely or grab coffee and we'll play the theme song. I'll be back in 30 seconds. It won't be that long. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. There's a verse I've been thinking of this past week or so, as I read it again in the book Jaber Crow*. The book Jaber Crow? You might think that was odd. Aren't all verses found in the book by our God? Well, yes. This verse first was in John chapter 3, but was quoted again by Wendell Berry. When he wrote Jaber Crow, as I aforementioned, and when he said it, it grabbed my attention. The verse is quite common. I've heard it a lot. You likely have heard it and maybe you've been taught about what it means and why it's been said and how it gives hope to us all when we're dead. John three sixteen starts, God so loved the world. I'm pausing there now before the rest is unfurled. These five little words spoke volumes to me and reading last week made me stop, look and see that I've rushed through this verse and missed this great truth, this great truth that I learned when I was a youth. God so loved the world. He still loves it so he loves all of creation he made long ago. Cosmos in Greek means the world as a whole, like the stars in the sky and the paths that we stroll, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, and the forests at large and each singular tree, the flowers that bloom and the grass that is green, and probably more things that are yet to be seen. God loved what He made. He said it was good. He wants us to care for it, and we certainly should. It's his masterpiece we live on. We're caretakers at best of his six days of work before his seventh of rest. Let's not forget that. I've been glad for that thought and was thankful to read it in the book I had bought. And now I'll expound on the rest of this verse, for we all love to read the reverse of the curse. The verse, it continues, God so loved that he gave. He gave his one son and he gave him to save. He'll save whosoever believes in his name, and to all who believe, this is what they can claim. God promises life and life everlasting. Believers won't perish. That's rather contrasting with what we deserve, for sin deserves death. But God's Son, whose name Jesus, gave up his last breath. He said to his Father, I commit to you my spirit, and when it was finished, we weren't there to hear it, but we hear it now and can believe it is true, and trust in the work that was God's work to do. Why did God do it? It's His love demonstrated, His promise fulfilled that had long been awaited. And His love gives us hope even when we feel sad. And I thought of this verse when I sat with my dad. Each time we're together, he walks down memory lane, looks at pictures of mom, and then wants to explain about the last time he saw her and how blessed they have been to have shared such a love, and he'll start up again with the day of their wedding and the house on the lake and their kids that love Jesus, then his voice starts to shake. We stop, and we pray, and we thank God together for the grief that we have that's not grief forever, but for now, it is here, and I notice it more, as this week I'm feeling what I've been through before. I knew that this day was coming up soon. I knew my mom died two days before June. I've heard others say anniversaries are tough, but I thought, well, it probably won't be that rough. It helps me to think of her life long ago, and maybe it'll help one of you, I don't know. My guess is someone listening has lost someone too, and maybe your memories are cathartic for you. My memory lane winds around quite a bit. Some memories are funny, some I wish I'd forget. But they all join together and leave sweetness behind. So I'm grateful for each. Now I'm going to rewind. I've had a whole year to adjust and to think, and this year has flown by with each blink after blink. I blinked back the tears when the days got much hotter, and I kept reminiscing about being her daughter I had so many memories that she'd love to hear that I'm going to share now as if she was still here. Mom, I thought about lunches out on the front stoop with pickles and chips in your own little troop of four kids or two or perhaps there'd be three, but my favorite of all was just you with just me. You'd tell me to sit on the steps and just wait, and I knew I'd enjoy a lunch that was great. Our sandwiches would have four sections to eat with my favorite sandwich spread and some good deli meat. We'd sit and watch cars and then people walk by and I'd feel so special that it was just you and I. I blinked back more tears when I cleaned out your house and I saw your handwriting on notes to your spouse and smiley stickers on cupboards and doors and your little hair clips I found on some floors. I packed up some boxes and sorted out things to give Olsons and Bromans and Webs and the Kings. I saw recipe books with post-its galore and I read about things that I'd eaten before. I remembered your lists of menus for dinners and how you would mark the ones that were winners. (laughs) And then I remembered when you wanted to share how to make a rice pudding, but I didn't care. I said, there'll be time to learn about that someday. See my tennis racket? I'm well on my way to do something else, and I clearly don't care about how to make what you're making right there. And maybe five years after that conversation, I called you up, Mom, for a clear explanation and how to make pudding that's made out of rice, and you told me, and when you did, you were nice. Although I must say I didn't much chuckle when you said three-quarters cup rice and water up past your first knuckle. I said, that sounds weird, and you should probably measure, but the hastily written recipe is one now that I treasure. And remember flower shopping? I thought I would die. You'd walk down each aisle, and I wanted to cry. It took you so long, and you talked to each person. Hello, have you met our middle daughter, Kirsten? Remember the greenhouse, and each plant, and each steak, and I told you that Bachman's gave me a backache. But you didn't seem to care. You didn't speed up at all, and I thought that this summer's gonna turn into fall before you pick your geraniums and spikes for the pots. I thought you should know now, I like flowers lots. <laughs> and this past Mother's Day, when I missed you like crazy, I bought and I planted your favorite, a daisy. And when we'd go shopping, 100% of the time, I'd be certain each moment we spent running errands, which you always called going bumming, I knew all the time you'd persist with your humming. It began in the car and it just wouldn't stop. The music went on all the time when we'd shop. Oh man, that would bug me when I was a kid. And last week I hummed when I shopped. Yep, I did. (laughs) And last night... Kenny and I drove right past the skate store, Strauss Skates by Cope Avenue, and I thought of one more interaction we had. If you were here, you'd remember that time when I bugged you that night in December. Dad was at the hospital making rounds that one day, and we were all excited to go outside to play. Dad shoveled the ice rink just that night before, and I had plopped down on our lakeside porch floor. You were tightening skates of us kids one by one, and when my turn came up, I had come all undone. You just couldn't lace them up as tightly as Dad, so I complained much, and I knew it was bad. I whined, and I fussed, and I kept on entreating. Lace them tighter! Dad does! I wouldn't stop repeating. And you laced them up tighter, and this is the truth. You gritted your teeth, and you chipped your front tooth. While it wasn't a story you often would tell, we didn't forget it. I know that full well. Our home was a place you enjoyed every day. I couldn't count all the times that you'd say while you stood with your hands on your hips looking west. Can you believe we live here? It sure is the best. I appreciate that now, and I'm not exaggerating at all. One day when the leaves changed, it was sometime last fall, I looked out my window and said out loud to Kenny, I wouldn't live anywhere else. Nope, not any. And I know I don't live at your home on the lake, but your gratitude's followed me. And that I will take. And to all your kids, Mom, you've passed that along. We make where we all live our place to belong. Mari just loves the Pacific Northwest, and Gus always says that Egan's the best. Betsy loves New York, winter, spring, summer, and fall, and I am so glad that I live in St. Paul. Now, listener, you might wonder, what does this have to do with the verse that you mentioned back in like stanza two? I'm sure some of you can tell. I hope it's easy to see that God so loved the world was a lesson for me that was taught by my mom each day after day with her humming and singing as she'd go on her way. She found great delight in each fish, bird, and tree. Each flower she noticed, we needed to see. God so loved the world, so should we, for he made it. And because we love him, Let's not desecrate it. That's lesson one from the first five words alone. And then lesson two shows how we atone for our sins with belief. That fact surely frees us and makes us fall deeply in love with God, Jesus. But it's not merely saying some words in our head. It's not merely knowing Jesus was raised from the dead. For the demons know that and they shudder. It's true. So if it's not merely that, what's the thing that we do? We accompany our belief with acts full of grace, out of love for our God, who has saved us a place to live with Him someday in the new heaven and new earth. We give our lives to Him. We have a rebirth. The living for self and the focus on us gets replaced with a focus on God, and so thus we care about what is important to Him, even if sometimes the outlook is grim." We don't look at the world with disgust or disdain. Instead, we ask daily how to ease the world's pain. Is there something we do with creation today? Is there someone we bless with kind words that we say? Can we let others know that God loves them as well by the things that we do and the stories we tell? Can we try not to promote self with every transaction and think of ourselves less with each interaction? God so loved the world, he didn't just name it, he came down to us so he could reclaim it. Friends, I'm unsettled, (laughs) and I'm asking God to show me exactly what he wants me to do. It's important to me that God's word is revered, and I know that it's crucial that he's also feared. We don't get freaked out. We just see God as holy and ask him to help us understand that, be it slowly. God so loved the world. It's said in his book, I'm not saying we love all the greed and the gook, but we love what God made and who he made. Yes, we ask God to redeem and to heal and to bless. My prayer is that followers of Jesus all would seek to be kind, to be loving and good to those all around them. Just like Jesus did, he loved those in need and saw each little kid. He cared for the outcast, downtrodden, and weak. He said it was actually the sinner he'd seek. Those all in charge of religion in those days were yelled at by Jesus, who confronted their ways of exploitation and greed and misuse of his word. And the leaders then all were mad as they heard If we're to take seriously God so loved the world, and the rest of this verse, like we've now unfurled, we need to be sure that our lives are lined up with what Jesus says and not what we've made up. And we surely can do it. Of course, not on our own. But with God's gracious guidance, as we all have known, comes from Spirit— who indwells us and who will empower and enable us to consistently do the things that are hard and don't always please us, but the things that will bring all the glory to Jesus.